0: Welcome to 900 Ackland Avenue. What follows is the service June 4th, 2023. Thank you. God bless.
1: Good morning. JP just reminded me I was dating along today. I think I'm, I, even though they just got back from Italy, I think I'm on Italian time, which is like show up 10 minutes late, 30 minutes late, doesn't make any difference. Whenever you get here, it's when get there. So uh, it's one of the nice things about, about being in some where it's not always on the clock, um, especially not dinner, right? Where it can be three or four hours before you finally get up from the table, if you can. We we'll begin with reading this morning from Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty; darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, "Let there be a vault between the waters to separate the wa- separate water from water." So God made the vault, and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault the sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, "Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let the dry ground appear." And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the ground and the gathered waters He called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, "Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to the various kinds." And it was so. The land produced vegetation. Plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let there be lights in the, in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day, and the lesser light to govern the night, he also made the stars. God sent them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God so had the water teem with living creatures that the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems that moves about in it, according to their kinds. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water in the sea. Let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. The livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the seas and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God He created them, male and female He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you seed-bearing plants on the face of the whole earth, and every fruit that has fruit with the seed in it. They will be yours for food. And all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground. Every has the breath of life in it. I give every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that He had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work He had been doing. And on the seventh day, He rested from all His work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it He rested from all the work of creating that He had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth. When they created, the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we're surprised when we read this as how profligate your generosity is. Giving and giving and giving and providing for us and for everything that has breath in it. Father, help us to remember as we read this story that we too are creatures, just as you have given breath to the birds. And the cows and the snakes and every living being on this planet, you give breath to us as well. And Father, as we recognize that we share in that createdness, help us to love your creation as we love your creation. Help us to care for all the things that you've given us with the same generosity that you've shown to us. Father, bless this Sabbath day, this day of rest. Bless this time when we can be together and we can worship you. We can offer Thanksgiving, and we can reciprocate. We can share with those that you've placed in our lives. Bless our time together in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Seventeen.
2: the bow and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and you put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, all that swim in the past the seas. Lord our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this the sunshine and the the warm air and the summer and the change of seasons and um, the change of pace in our life that comes with summertime. Thank you for this particular day, and this particular moment, where we pause to worship you and consider your majesty and the glory of your creation and the beauty and diversity that you have made, and we just, we honor that and we praise you for that, and We are humbled that you have that you are mindful of us and that you care for us. Because when I consider the work of your fingers, God, I just am sometimes so ashamed of what people do and What people have done to your creation and and yet you are mindful of us and you care for us and in your in your omnipotent wisdom, knowing everything that would come and everything that would happen, you have made us a little lower than the angels and crowned us with glory and honor. And that is humbling. Lord, how majestic is your name in all there. Amen. Stop
3: on the books. 43.
4: coming back. It's a beautiful thing. So uh, I hate to be gone, but it was, it was a really good experience uh, to, to be a part of that. Very thankful for Caden and Robbie, who preached the last two weeks for me. Thank you, Caden, and thank you, Robbie. Uh, it was fun to listen to those messages on the podcast, and I was very much encouraged by that, and thankful for all the gifted people here who uh, allow the Spirit to speak through them. I remember Matt Kirkland said uh, a few years ago, and I want to say this again, Uh, We believe everybody has a good sermon in them, okay, and uh, the joke was it might just be one, but but we believe everybody has a sermon in them, and so uh, be prayerful about that. We'd like everyone uh, in this room to have that opportunity at, at some point, and I think it's a really beautiful thing. We are now in summer mode. It's good to say that. I appreciate Rachel talking about summer in her prayer. We have several big things that happen at our church in summer, but one of those is Nashville Work Camp, which we've participated for several years, and that starts this evening. Where several hundred uh, high school, middle school, high school students come together to paint houses in town. We normally paint twenty or twenty-five uh, houses, and what we do is just put a sign out in front of the house that says "We paint houses for free" and a phone number, and we'll get enough calls this week to set up all the houses for next year. Okay, and it's just a really cool thing that's been going on for about like 25 years. If you're participating in that this week, if you would stand up, if you're participating in National work Camp this week, I just want everybody to see it stand up. We got a big crew prepping, so grateful for that. I asked Jonah if he would come up and offer a prayer. Everybody join, everybody stand together. Paul, I'm sorry, Paul, step back down. Everybody stand together for this prayer. But we're so grateful. And just to me and Paul. Jonah, Elsie, Lucy, and Lily are all chaperoning this week. And Jonah's just going to have a prayer
5: over work camp right you. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity this week that we have to bless the lives of others and to grow closer to you. Lord, I ask that you be with the weather and keep everybody involved safe as we work on these homes. Lord, allow us to reflect on you as we go about our week and interact with others. And Lord, just be just with everyone involved, all the students,
1: interns, youth ministers, preachers, homeowners, everybody. Lord, thank you for
5: this beautiful day. And Lord, I thank you for your son, Jesus, who died of us. Send your sons we pray. Okay. Amen, you may be seated. Thank you, Jonah.
4: That comes up next in the church calendar is sometimes referenced as Trinity Sunday as we enter into what is known as the ordinary time. And I felt like it would be good this Sunday to kind of go into the text they have aligned with Trinity Sunday and just talk about the Holy Spirit and talk about how God is both three in one. And really echo a lot of what Kate and Robbie said the last two weeks about what it means for us to have the Holy Spirit. And then next week as we enter more into ordinary time, we'll do some different things. And I'd like to frame our conversation this morning on the Holy Spirit with this word, power. And I'd like to think of us to think of the Holy Spirit as power. Our banner that we have during this season is active. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 talks about how you will receive power. And I think it's so important for us to understand and embrace the fact that when God comes inside of us through the resurrection of Jesus and the Spirit is in us, we have power. And we are called to do certain things with that power. Because the opposite of power is that sense of powerlessness. This sense of feeling like you don't have any power. And I think what goes on a lot in our world today is we're overwhelmed by so many messages, we're overwhelmed by so many burdens, and we just get the sense that I don't have any power to help, I don't have any power to change, I don't have any power to encourage, and we just become overwhelmed, we feel like we have no power. I want you to locate an example in your mind of a time when you're like, I just feel so powerless. I had one just about a week ago when I was on my trip and we had a day in our schedule where we're like, I'm not gonna plan anything and students, y'all can go do anything you wanna do, but you gotta be back by my okay? And they all planned to take a train ride to this little town in Italy and they were gonna come back and they had it all organized. <laughs> but then they texted me late at night and said, we missed our train. And it wasn't their fault, there was a train cancellation, all these crazy things happened, but they're like, we're, we think we're stuck. And I had 11 students about 100 miles away from me, and I had no car, no way to get them, no train. And i was just like, oh my goodness, what, what am I gonna do? Now, it worked out in the end that a train finally did come, and like it all worked out, In in that moment, It's that sense of, like, I feel powerless. And what am I going to do in this situation? And there are things that happen when we feel powerless that are opposite of the gospel. We don't always respond well when we have that sense. And one of the most hopeful messages of the Christian story is that we are not powerless we have power. And that's what we understand when we talk about the Trinity. So this morning I'd like us to read the passage together. It comes from Matthew chapter 28. If you would stay with me for the reading. Rachel, can I sell your bulletin? I'm out of, I'm out of practice. I'm gone two weeks and I've forgotten my bulletin. It's unbelievable. Okay. Matthew chapter 28. You may recognize that a Clear teaching on the Father, Son, and Spirit. If you'd like to join with me in the bold section, of will Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted together. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. There are at least three paradoxes we are called to embrace in the Christian faith. These are all divine mysteries. That Jesus is both God and human. That the Bible was written by both God and human, and that God is both three and one. And these are divine mysteries that cannot be proved through a microscope or a math formula. These are things we claim based on faith. These are things, even though the word Trinity is not in the Bible. We clearly see it at many times. We see it in the baptism of Jesus, right? Where Jesus is in the water the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove. And we hear the voice of the Father over him. We see it clearly in passages like this. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see this in so many of Paul's letters when he says, I pray that you will receive the blessing of the Father and the encouragement of the Son. And he does these little triune greetings and benedictions over them. It's not just an abstract doctrine. Our belief in our embrace of the Trinity is something that has practical applications on our life every day. Because if we believe that as humans we are creating the image of God, then to understand the nature of God is to therefore understand ourselves. If we believe that we are creating the image of God, to understand God is to understand who, who we are. So if God is both one and many at the same time. Think about the ramifications that that leads to for us. That we are both individuals and we are a community at the same time. And we have, we have to balance those things. And in our culture where we so often do individualism really well, <laughs> we need to remind ourselves, you know what? Being a community, being in a relationship with others is a part of what it means to be human. And in other cultures, where maybe they do community really well, maybe they don't do individualism as well. They need to remind ourselves, you know what, I have agency. I'm responsible for my actions, not necessarily for other people's actions, and to bounce these things together. For us to live into the image of God, we need to ask ourselves, what's the one of those that we don't do well? I think some of you are like, boy, I do individualism Really well. What does it mean for you to open your life up to others and do life with other people better? For those of you, and I confess this is more like, hey, it's like, oh man, community, I gravitate to it. Sometimes I'm almost fearful of too much alone time. And in my adulthood, I've had to learn more and more how to be by myself, be okay with myself, and to be an individual. But when we embrace those things, it's who we were created to be, because that's the image of God, the one in the beginning. Also, Trinity is the way that we understand that God is omnipresent, that God is everywhere. It's how we think through the location of God. Omnipresence, the fancy word for God is everywhere. So when we think about when Jesus walked earth, does that mean that God was no longer in the heavens? No. Father's in the heavens and Jesus was here. Well, when Jesus goes back up to heaven, does that mean God is now absent from this world? No. Because of the Holy Spirit, God can be in the heavens and God can be with us here. And God can be with our Christian brothers and sisters around the world and in different places that are worshiping on this Sunday in different languages and different means and different ways. Because God is everywhere. And that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. So, in this season, as we finish up Pentecost, we're talking about the fact that Jesus, the fact that he's ascended to the right hand, does not mean that we are abandoned, but rather, as Romans chapter 8 says, Christ is now interceding for us. And as Stephen says in Acts 7, when he becomes the first Christian martyr, he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Jesus is still working on our behalf, and what is Jesus doing? He's sending us the Holy Spirit so that we can experience the presence of God. And the Holy Spirit is a power for us, and it is a power that is available. How do we see the work of the Spirit? When you read the book of Acts, we talked about Pentecost last week, we talked about the power of tongues, the power of different languages. And I believe that is a mysterious thing. It's not necessarily something manifest in our tradition. But I believe it exists, and I believe the truth is that it's been maintained in other traditions. We also, as we read the book of Acts, we talked about the power of miracles. And once again, that's something that might be a little different for our kind of more rationalistic branch of the Christian faith. And yet, did we not just in fact offer prayers for the city? And we pray that God would intercede. And once again, there are other branches of the Christian faith that has kept those truths alive for us. I believe that the Holy Spirit acts by giving people certain gifts. Gifts that we saw with people preaching the last two weeks. Gifts that we will see this week with work camp. Gifts that we saw this morning as everybody's coming in and everybody's doing their thing to keep this church going. But primarily, in the scriptures, and in the history of the Christian church, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is moral and ethical. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is moral and ethical. To enable us to live like God. To be the type of people we are supposed to be, to live our best lives, and we may say in the common vernacular, to to flourish as human beings, to live the lives we were meant to live. That is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, um, for just a couple more minutes before I close, I want to talk about what happens when we feel powerless, how do we get power, and then what happens when we receive that power. Okay, so we know from the scriptures that Jesus has not abandoned us. Jesus has given us power. But once again, think about the times in your life when you feel powerless. Here's what happens when I feel I get afraid. I get angry. I get stressed. I get anxious. I often lash out at people. Or sometimes I just zone out when I feel powerless. You ever in a social situation where it starts to go awry and you're like, I wonder if I can just not make any sudden moves, not say anything, and maybe everyone will forget I'm in the room. Maybe I can transport myself to another realm, right? One of the things that happens in our world is we're aware of more tragedy than any humans have ever been aware of. Like I saw the headline yesterday, I believe it was 238 people passed away with a train accident in India. And I would just been riding trains all week when I was in Europe. Like, man, trains are great. I wish we had more trains in the States, right? Amen. Okay. amen. <laughs> I don't know if amen in this sermon, but I'm with you and I really <laughs> would like some more trains. I really would like some more trains. Um, but I hear the story, 238 people died in India, and just my heart sank, and I just was looking of and I was reading the story of it, and just, my heart sank, and then I thought, a hundred years ago, my great-grandparents would have never been aware that this happened. And we are just aware of so much tragedy now. And once again, it's good to be informed, for sure. We're just aware of so much, and in my life, as I just hear more and more, those things make me feel tired. I get depressed. I can get anxious. And I wonder if sometimes my bad behavior I'm being confessional. Your bad behavior stems from I'm um, powerless and I'm scared and so I'm acting out like a petulant child because I feel back into a corner. But one of the gifts of the Almighty God is we are not powerless. We have the Holy Spirit. And so there is a power inside of you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now inside of you. It's easy to say. It's hard to understand. And you can do things that you don't think you're capable of. And honestly, things that in your human flesh you're not capable of. But you can do those things through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've seen it. I've seen it. The story I often come back to, and I've liked to told this story before, but it was one of the most significant things in my life. Growing up, specifically after my mother had died and I was in a single-parent situation with my father and my brother, my dad was a very impatient person at times. And my dad would raise his voice and he would get angry at times. Not screaming, not throwing things, but he would get frustrated as a common attorney. I look back at that through adult eyes and I'm like, yeah, he lost his wife, he was single parent, struggling with all this stuff. But at the time as a child, it was unpleasant when your father is impatient, right? And I remember we had this sofa chair in the living room where at night he'd sit down and he would read me and my brother a Bible story or a scripture. And he'd sit in the chair, and I'd sit on one arm of the chair, and my brother would sit on one arm of the chair. And I remember this just like it happened yesterday. My father saying, "Boys, I am raising my voice too much, and uh, we're going to ask that God work in my life so that I won't raise my voice." And I was, as a ten-year-old, I was like, "Sounds like a good idea." What else can God do for today? What else can I do? And but he prayed that prayer over a period of days and weeks and months, and it got to a point where Dad just stopped raising his voice, and his his patience returned. And that's one of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Galatians five, and. I had a stage, specifically when my kids were younger, where I raised my voice too much. And a lot of times it was because I felt powerless. And sometimes I wanted to excuse it and say, well, my life is stressful. Or you ever hear people say, that's just how I am. Or that's just how they are. By the way, Christians aren't allowed to say that. Because we can never be satisfied with who we are. Because we have the Holy Spirit. And so I thought, well, my dad did it. I can try and, and I began praying that God would make me more patient. And I believe God has. I'm kind of a worthy progress for sure. But, but there's a divine power. And so we believe we receive the Spirit through faith in and around baptism. I'm not trying to make it a formula because every time I read the book of Acts, things are out of the order that I expect it to be, Okay. But we believe in and around the proclamation of faith and baptism, we received the Holy Spirit, and then you have it. I'm not going to call on you who it was, but there was a time something was going on, and there was a person that was, that was not walking with Christ that we were interacting with as a church, and we were expecting, we are expecting better from them. And it was one of you, and I'm not going to call your name, one of you said, Maybe we're expecting too much because they don't have the Holy Spirit. And we do. Maybe we should expect more from ourselves and less from them. Maybe we should be Jesus to them. Maybe they will receive the Holy Spirit and then more will happen. But is it futile to expect the Holy Spirit from people that don't have it? But if we have it, we should expect more from ourselves. And so we believe we receive the Spirit in faith. And the Scripture says we fan the flame of the Spirit in our lives to become more moral, more ethical, more Christly. Okay, how do we fan the flame of the Spirit? Once you have a deposit of the Spirit, which Paul often calls the Holy Spirit a deposit, what you have in your life, you fan the flame through the spiritual practices, through communal worship together. Because what we're doing this morning is we are aligning the affections of our heart with something greater than ourselves. Simply put, we're saying Jesus is the main thing we come together with friends and family and we just proclaim Jesus as the main thing. And there's a sense in which we give up control. You're listening to someone else talk, someone else is choosing songs, someone else has made the coffee. That's part of worship, giving up control, ceding that control, aligning ourselves together to the divine being. And it fans the plan. We devote ourselves to prayer. We devote ourselves to scripture reading. We devote ourselves to fasting. And these things fan the flame of the Spirit. question you may have, and I've thought of many times, saying, that all sounds good, but I know people that have gone to church the whole life, they don't seem to have any of the Holy Spirit in their life. How do we account for that? How do we account for many people enter church doors weekly for years and years and some of them don't act like Jesus? Here's at least two reasons I think for that. One is the neglect of fasting in our culture. Because I think if you read the Bible 10 minutes a day, but you indulge yourself in filth for 10 hours a day, guess what's going to win it? If we just stare at our phones all the time and allow ourselves to be spiritually formed by new sources that are just about making money, it will not lead to spiritual if we align ourselves, if we just stare at our minds and technology and allow ourselves to just be affected by, I'll use the word, mammon, which is what Jesus calls it. The darkness and the greed of this world. We will not be spiritually formed. This is why we've tried to elevate fasting in our church practices in recent years. And then secondly, I know a lot of people that read the Bible don't act like Jesus. I think what's happening is the scripture says the Bible is a, is a sword. And it, it cuts to the bone. cuts to the marrow. I think what's going on with some of those people and guess what I've done this in my life, is I use the sword on others but not on myself. <laughs> if you don't allow the scriptures to cut you, you will never be formed into the image of Jesus. you got to allow the Bible to chafe you. Okay? If, if the Bible becomes like a bobblehead doll that just nods its head and agrees with you all the time, then it's not really the word of God. You have to have a Jesus that disagrees with you so for it to be the true Jesus. I've had times in my life that Jesus just nodded his head at everything I thought, and it was great, but it was an idol, idol. We must allow the scriptures to cut us, and we must practice confession together to be truly formed. But when we fan the flame of the Spirit... What happens is is we begin to have a power in our lives that we slowly become the people we were always intended to be. We have the strength to overcome temptation. We have the strength to be courageous and stand against the evils of our world. And we have the courage and fortitude to sustain ourselves long-term. And we cultivate that power we realize that what that power was for all along was to sacrifice them. See, the way we talk about power sometimes, talk about the people that are in power, the power brokers of society, is we can talk about power in a pejorative way as if it's wrong to have power. In the Bible, it is not wrong for us to have power. The problem is what you do with that power. But what we see in the scriptures when we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, what we do with that power is we sacrifice it, and we lay it there. It's not wrong to have power. It's wrong to hold on to it. Similar to how the Scripture talks about money, it's not wrong to have money. It's wrong to hold on to it. So what we do in our power, and if, if all along the Holy Spirit was giving us power to live like Jesus, what did Jesus do with his power? He laid aside, and he became a servant, and he washed feet, and he gave his life, and he became what the Book of Romans calls a living sacrifice. There is so much crazy stuff in this world. I feel powerless. I don't know how I can do the things that I'm called to do. I don't know that I have the strength to live the life of Jesus in that world. As we gather around the table in a second, I don't know that I have the strength. To crucify myself and to follow Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit enables us to do. To achieve power and then to sacrifice it, to lay it down for the good of others, for the good of the world, and to the glory of God. In this season, as we finish up Pentecost, as we finish up the liturgical year, know that you are not powerless. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of you. And may we truly live on it. And now, let us stand and sing together.
3: We praise the old God, our Redeemer, Creator, in
5: we uh, take communion this morning, um, I felt it was appropriate to share this uh, passage from Ephesians so we think about um, what it means to um, truly uh, have God's power residing in us. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers. Keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hands. In the heavenly realms just as jp has talked about this morning that same power that raised jesus from the dead is in us as we take of jesus's body i pray that we um, consider that and that we dwell in the knowledge that this power is for us who believe in him let's pray together god we thank you so much um, for this time to be together as your people I pray, God, that as we take uh, this bread this morning, that we will remember um, the body of your son um, that was um, given for us so that we may, God, be a blessing to the world around us. And I pray that we would remember that the power that you give us is from you and that all glory goes to you. And God, I pray that we would dwell in that power every day um, with humility, and that, God, that we would see um, Jesus and praise him in the use of that power. We pray all this in Christ. God, we thank you for this cup that represents the blood of your son, Jesus, that was shed for us. God, again, we pray that as we take this cup that we would um, realize the great gift that you have given us in sending us your son and sending us your Holy Spirit to dwell within us. been the first Sunday of the month. We are um, getting a new rhythm where we will um, offer a prayer for our giving and that we will um, pass um, giving giving plate around. Um, As always, we uh, give on, um, we still have the opportunity to give on Venmo. We still have a basket in the back. Um, We thought this would give a little more um, emphasis to um, our giving, uh, to do this in a public setting, and to... um, this as part of our worship service together, so we will pray um, over our giving now. And um, God, we thank you so much uh, for this opportunity to give um, in a public way, um, to share um, our gifts together. I know in our culture it always seems so um, foreign in some ways now um, to give uh, publicly like this in this manner. Um, but God, we pray that as we Give of our gifts to you, um, that we will um, sacrifice, that we will give in a way that um, you know, demands something from us, um, that it's not just another uh, um, thing to go through the motions with, but God, that this is um, another way in which we can offer worship to you. So we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
3: to
6: Um, Father, help us to just breathe through the things that are good and the things that are hard, and um, we're we're all just really trying to find peace and just help us to seek that in you and to embrace you for that peace. Amen.
0: On June 7th, both Greg Wagner and Wagner have birthdays. that's exciting. (laughs) What (laughs) a birthday gift. This week, here are some things to know. Nashville Work Camp begins today. If you're participating in Work Camp, we will meet back here at the building at 4 o'clock. And thank you for those who are hosting and those who have uh, contributed to make sure that happens. On Wednesday night, our gathering will be at the Conways, and it will be a Sunday night. Uh, dinner at 5:30, bring your own ground bag, and then uh, the singing starts about 6 30. Um, there's a ladies get together coming up on June 15th, and it's the first day of a new quarter, so we have new Bible classes um, in our bulletin. You can see what all of those are. There's new class titles and new class teachers and all the good. Um, you can also refer to your bulletin for upcoming events related to Mission Week, starting next Sunday, we'll do some prep work to get ready for Mission Week. Um, and, oh, that's not the character, it's in the email version of the bulletin. Okay, um, so as we close, are there any additional announcements? It said Manuel Ferdomo had his surgery, he did not, it was postponed due to some sort of
6: swelling, it's toward the end of this month
0: okay so if you've been praying for for
2: Menlo, please
0: continue to do so the surgery did not take place yet
6: my cousin Wes, who's in the bulletin he, it is cancer um they're not certain what type of cancer he has a pet scan this week on wednesday to see if it has spread and he will have an upper right lobectomy will remove a portion of his lung on um, the 12th and that's a very big Surgery. So, just prayers for him. Um, he's young, he's 39. His wife is five months pregnant with their second. Um, so, for my
2: cousin and his family.
0: Okay, thank you. That's for Ryan's cousin, Wes, who has um, had a recent cancer diagnosis. Thank you. All right. Um, we have coffee and donuts downstairs. We'll see you guys later. There we go. listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash, slash ackland.org. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.